If you come under an ambush attack and you want to survive, you've only got two options. Do you know what they are? And on this episode of Pearl Snap Tactical, we're talking about mounting the counter ambush. We take your questions on vehicle defense, slings, and more. And we're starting right now. Hey, what's up? It's Mark. This is episode three of Pearl Snap Tactical, where we are continuing our discussion on the ambush, namely the counter ambush. If you recall last week's episode, we covered uh, that one was entitled Anatomy of an Ambush. And there I went through the two different types of ambushes. Those would be hasty and deliberate. So uh, you might want to go back and study up on that. Uh, we also talked about their common elements. This is regardless, worldwide, wherever you are, whatever uh, capacity you find yourself in, there's four elements that's common to every ambush. We talked about concealment, surprise, violence of action, and the fourth is lack of provocation. Now, that one only applies to uh, law enforcement and uh, civilians does not apply to the military, and it, go back and uh, we tell you why in that episode. We also discussed how to mitigate one or more of those elements using situational awareness, spatial awareness, and terrain. Remember, if you can mitigate at least one, if not all of those elements, then you start stacking the deck in your favor and uh, start putting them behind the eight ball, which is what we want to do to prevail against those uh, those attackers. All right, so what are we going to talk about today? We're talking about the importance of mobility, namely maneuver, uh, as the key to overcoming the ambush. We're also going to talk about your options that you have. And you only got two, like I said on the opening. And then we're going to um, all look at how to successfully mount a counter ambush attack. And then I'll take your questions um, the questions are primarily focused on vehicle defense, so you want to make sure you stick around for those. All right, moving forward. So if you come out and train with us, you're going to hear this mantra and more than once, and that's if you're mobile, stay mobile, and if you're not mobile, get mobile. And that is sage advice. I didn't make that up. I was taught that, um, and it's sage advice for two big reasons. Number one, mobility is the key to mitigating the attacker's violence of action, right? Remember, we talked about those elements. Your mobility to negate or mitigate against that element, violence of action, is going to be your mobility or ability to maneuver. Uh, Number one, because a moving target is harder to hit. Now, some people would argue that cover is the priority when you come under attack, any attack, I suppose, but particularly ambush. And I'm just here to tell you that is a lie from the pit of hail. All right. (laughs) I mean, I'm telling you, uh, mobility is the key. So we're going to get into that. Uh, As we discussed in the other episode, use of terrain, cover, you know, that, that is important, but it's only one part of the equation because you could find yourself in circumstances where maybe you don't have cover or you can't get to cover, right? So it's not going to always be there. And so if it can't always be there, then it's not, a, it, it can't be the priority, right? So it's got to be mobility maneuver. Uh, because through a couple examples that I'm about to share with you, um, this you can take to the bank. If you're static, you will be found, you will be fixed, and you will be eliminated. 
This became tragically apparent uh, during the Newhall Massacre in California back in the 70s. On April 5th, 1970, to be exact, a police officers in California experienced uh, what is one of the deadliest shootout in that state's history. We had four officers killed by two gunmen in less than five minutes. You basically had the officers arriving up on the scene, taking static firing positions behind cover, as they are trained to do. But they were unable to effectively engage the suspects. And they couldn't engage them because the gunmen were constantly moving within the engagement space. Right, So you have the officers who are behind cover, right, getting off the X, as we always hear. Right? They're getting off the X, getting behind cover, but they can't effectively engage the moving targets. So what occurred were that the officers who started out in a superior position, right, because they were behind cover by uh, shooters who were not, were eventually outflanked. They were outmaneuvered and picked off in short order by the more versatile, dynamic, and mobile gunmen. So again, I'm going to go back and say if you're static, means if you're not moving, you will be found, you will be fixed, and you will be eliminated. Now, those three things, found, fixed, eliminated, if you're an infantryman, if you've got any kind of experience in the combat arms, you will have heard that before. If you're new to that, um, the found is simple enough to explain. What I mean by fixed is means that you're set in place, is that if you did have the ability to move, now you are pinned down and you cannot move. I'm pretty sure all of us have seen, you know, the the Saving Private Ryan movies or something like that where the, the soldiers are pinned down. They can't escape. They can't move because there's too much fire. They're being suppressed. Right. That's what we're talking about when we say being fixed. And then once once that happens, uh, it's all over but the crying because the guy's just going to maneuver on you and finish you off. So what is the remedy? The remedy goes back to what we said earlier, that if you're mobile, stay mobile. And if you're not mobile, get mobile. Now, we're not saying that you don't you don't ever stay put behind cover. We're not saying that. I mean, you got to be smart about it, right? There's a way to do this. In our uh, counter ambush classes, high threat pistol tactics courses, you know, things like that. We we teach folks how to move, how to maneuver. And so the uh, the quote unquote shooting and moving portions that you see in other courses, that ain't it. That's not what we're talking about. Um, it's important. I'm not trolling anybody, but that's that's not what we're talking about. That's not what's going to help you prevail against the counter ambush. What we mean when we talk in terms of movement, uh, we're talking about moving tactically in relation to the threat, right? Maneuver, moving skillfully in relation to using um, avenues of approach, cover and concealment, timing, uh rate of fire, all that kind of other stuff that we'll get into on other podcasts. So number one, mobility is key, right? So that you can't be fixed. Number two, the reason why mobility slash maneuver is so important is because it's it's really the only way you get to reset the timing of the engagement to seize or to retake the initiative and mount your counterattack. Remember what I said back in the last episode is that ambushes are about timing, right? So the attacker sets the timing. They set the location of the attack or not. 
right? So if if I'm an attacker and uh, I'm laying in wait, right? I've got the first element, concealability, and I'm hiding myself. I can choose when the timing of the attack and also the location. If I'm sitting in a spot and I want to hit you, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm not comfortable where I'm at. Uh, there's more people in the crowd uh, that's blocking my view. Maybe the cops show up and assuming I'm a bad guy, right? I may I may decide to bail. I may bounce, right? Maybe I decide I don't I don't want to do this now, and I'm going to wait and for a more, a more opportune. Uh, time and so that gives me all the advantage that I'm looking for. So I get to set the timing, I get to set the location of the attack, and you better believe if I'm the bad guy, I'm going to set the timing and location in a way that that suits me and not you. That's going to put me at an advantage and you at the disadvantage, right? So timing. Let's let's kind of do a deeper dive on that. Is that you know the attacker is like we said ahead of time. That means they go first. They're initiating the attack, and then because that's what makes this thing so dangerous, y'all. Because once you are behind time, you've got the risk of being shut down, right? Overwhelmed by my rate of fire and my firepower. Uh, fixed. Remember, I'm found. You're found, and I'm fixing you, or I'm attempting to. Right? And you become overwhelmed. You become uh, unable to process the information, the data that you're receiving, the stimulus from your environment. You're being overwhelmed, the shock and awe, you know, call it whatever you want. Right. And then ultimately dispatched under the weight of the enemy's violence of action. So we're not just talking about getting off the X. I mean, we want to use the X against our attacker and assailant so that we can prevail against them. So what are your options with regard to if you come under an ambush attack? We're going to get into that right quick. But first, a word from our sponsor. Part and parcel of dealing with the ambush attack is going to be getting your shots off uh, fast and accurate. All right, that's critical. So faster, more accurate hits are a must. So I want to share with you a free uh, program that will help you do that if you go to our website, www.baritasdefense.com. Sign up for our free Shoot It Faster from the Draw program. It's free, and it's designed to make you a faster, more efficient shooter from the draw. So head over to baritasdefense.com today and sign up. All right, back to it. Now, I, I discussed earlier, I said you've got two options, two viable options if you're dealing with an ambush, and that is... You're going to either break contact or you're going to assault through. So first of all, what do I mean when I say breaking contact? The what? When we say break contact, that just means withdrawing out of the line of fire, moving to a safer position, moving safely out of harm's way. That's really breaking contact is. Now, why do you want to do that? Why would you break contact. Well, number one, it could be a force disparity. Maybe the attacker, there's more of them, they've got more firepower, and you're in a precarious situation, so you got to get out of there. Maybe you're not in a really good uh, position to assess what's going on, and you need to get to a different area so that you can kind of reassess, maybe to get a better position to counterattack. But as a citizen, uh, this would also be the part of the run, hide, fight type scenario. This would be the run, right? You just want to get out of there, breaking contact, running away, getting to safety. 
that's more or less what we're saying here. Your other option is to assault through the threat. Now, when would you do this? You're going to assault through if you're already in the kill zone, right? Because proximity to the to the attacker, to the threat, makes breaking contact impossible. You're just going to get shot in the back. So death and destruction is imminent. You're right there. You're in the kill zone. So your only viable option is to just run through them, just assault through them. And so I think you can kind of see when we're, we're talking in terms of, well, what should you do? When should you do it? You know, sometimes it's just handed to you by the situation, right? Like assaulting through. You really don't have an option when you're inside the kill zone. That's your only option. If you're not, then you've got the options. You can break contact based on the um, factors that we listed above or assaulting through. Just depends on what your mission and objective is. Or what about if you're concealed carry, right? What if you're what if you're a, a private citizen? Do you want to assault through? We're always told run, hide, fight, right? We're always told to remove ourselves from the situation. And I would say for the most part, I ain't got no quarrel with that. I mean, I, we would advise you to do that. But there are times where that's not going to be available to you. Here, And I think I may have used this in the, in the other other episode, but I'll say it a lot in the classes is, you know, you're out with your significant other on a Saturday afternoon and you get separated. I mean, there's plenty of times when my wife and I, we're in the grocery store or or out at the Walmarts or whatever. She's off in one spot and I'm off at the other. So what happens if I hear shot fired? All right, what what am I going to do? Run away? No, no. I'm going to go find her. And if in, in my way to finding her, I may have to assault through the attacker. If the attacker is between her and and me, uh, I'm I'm going to have to locate, close with, and neutralize. Right? Not telling you to do that. Just telling you what I would do. Right? All right. I think we've got that that one covered pretty good. So recapping, your only two viable options: we are going to either break contact or we're going to assault through. And that is your brief. We are just scratching the surface. If you want to learn how to develop uh, this type of knowledge and apply your skills to these situations, why don't you head over to BaritasDefense.com. Go under the Scheduled Events tab. Come train with us. We cover these topics and more. We'll help you develop your own uh, defensive capabilities to counter these, these threats. All right, now we are moving on. We're going to take your questions. And this week, I uh, got a little bit of focus on work around the vehicle. I got a question from Rick from Texas on vehicle de- defense. He had a question about that. So basically, uh, how I approach vehicle defense isn't really uh, any different than how I approach it without a vehicle, right? Think in terms, uh, to, to me, your vehicle is just a piece of equipment. It's just an asset. And every asset and every piece of equipment is going to have its own uh, attributes, characteristics, and abilities. So I want to take the advantages I have from that piece of equipment. I want to maximize it and use it to my advantage. So when we're talking about vehicles, what are the attributes and capabilities that you get with that asset? Well, 
I mean, with any kind of vehicle, you're going to get speed, right? You can move faster in a vehicle than you do on foot. And you've got mobility, right? Speed and mobility in a way that you don't have when you're on foot. So you're you're maximizing that capability. So speed and mobility. And the other thing that you get is you can weaponize a vehicle, right? We've got plenty of evidence. We've had ramming attacks, right? Where bad guys are just rolling over people. Well, you can roll over bad guys. I'm not saying that you should. I'm not advocating it. But, you know, you are whatever jurisdiction you're in, it's going to be governed under your own uh, laws regarding the use of self-defense and uh, lethal force. And using a a car as a weapon would be considered lethal force. So uh, I'm not giving any legal advice. I'm just telling you what your capabilities are. So speed mobility, you can weaponize it. So when do we do what? We, again, go back to general principles. What did we say earlier? If you're mobile, stay mobile. If you're not mobile, get mobile. So I want to, if I come under attack in my vehicle, I want to maximize the use of the vehicle's capabilities to keep myself safe. So what did we say are your two options when you come under attack, particularly under an ambush? Which is break contact or assault through. So what would be breaking contact in a vehicle? What would be driving past the attack point and getting away, right? Just driving away. And that's what we were taught when I deployed. We uh, Ambush was a common, common uh, way of being attacked uh, where I was. And we were told, hey, man, don't even stop and get out. Because by the time you stop and get out and you orient on the threat, you're going to be dead. They're going to lock in on you. You're just going to be dead. So just if you can drive through, drive past, right? So that would be breaking contact or assault through, right? So ramming the threat, right? That is an option, right? Now, what happens if you can't do those things? What happens if you're blocked, uh, burning barricades or things like that, um, or other vehicles in front of you that have been stopped and you can't get out? Well, at that point, going back to our general principles and analyzing the capabilities of any asset, now our vehicle has lost all of those, hasn't it? Right? There's no more, there's no more um, advantage to being in the vehicle. It's just now it's a death trap. So, Having that those cap- lost those capabilities, right? I'm going to abandon this piece of equipment, and now it's just a piece of cover and concealment, just like anything else, right? So I'm going to use that, but I also know that I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to keep improving my position. I'm going to keep trying to break contact and get safely away from the threat, or if I have to, I'm going to locate, close with, and eliminate. Uh, if that is the uh, the more um, appropriate thing to do. Um, but again, the big point is is that people overthink vehicles. Just don't overthink it. Once you get out and you're not driving the car anymore, it's just an object just like any other in your environment. It doesn't have any more magical properties and just treat it as any other uh, obstacle. All right, so remember the mantra. If you're mobile, stay mobile, right? So get out of the car as soon as you can return fire uh, as soon as you're able to and start maneuvering start moving to your next piece of cover making sure you're not exposing yourself uh, for too long period of time make sure you're covering yourself all you know all that stuff that we'll we'll cover in another podcast all right so that's talking about vehicle defense now moving on to christopher from connecticut christopher can i call you chris 
Um, what if he's got, his question is, what if any is the best way to carry in your vehicle? Best way to carry in your vehicle is on your person. Full stop on your person. Think about what we said earlier. Always think about principles, what you're trying to accomplish and what your goals and objectives are and using the principles to achieve those. So what did we say earlier? If you're mobile, stay mobile. If you're not mobile, get mobile. So what are the things that are going to increase my ability to be mobile? What are the things that are going to detract from it? So if I have a firearm, all right, and I get in a stick, then I assume I may need to use that firearm to protect myself or those that are with me. So if I have to abandon this vehicle or fight out of this vehicle then and get mobile, then I need a I need fast and efficient access to my weapon, right? So which one encourages fast and efficient access? Is it carrying it on my person or sticking it in the glove box or console where I got to dig around for it? Or one of those little fancy ninja like attachment holsters that are fit like kind of on the side of the of the console or under under the seat or you know between your legs or you know whatever Batman utility device that you use to keep it fastened there. It doesn't matter which one is faster, keeping it on my person or having to dig around for it. I say keep it on your person. And, you know, with the way that the holsters that are out on the market now, they're very comfortable. um, And so that encourages you to carry it everywhere. If you're not used to carrying it and driving around with it on your person, all it takes is a a little bit of practice and you'll get comfortable with it. The other thing by carrying it on your person, it... Uh, you avoid any kind of unnecessary administrative handling. And even though I know it's still in the holster, so, you know, the chances of a discharge, uh, a negligent discharge, you know, goes down. um, It's still, it's unnecessary fumbling around with it and handling of it. Also thinking about if you have to abandon your car quickly. Again, if you're digging around for something in the console or glove box, it's just going to hinder you. So I, I see nothing but, but an upside in carrying it on your person, and I don't really see any downside. So based on that, working from principles, I would say, Chris, if I can call you Chris, um, I carry it on my person. All right, moving on. This is our last one. We are talking to uh, John from Oklahoma. Um, This one's not about vehicles. Uh, This one I picked because it's just real simple to answer. He said, uh, John from Oklahoma wants to know two-point or one-point slings for your AR carbine. I'm going to tell you this. Um, this is pretty much always going to be our answer when it comes to gear. It's going to come down to shooter preference. What are you used to? What do you like? What's most comfortable? Uh, if you go with that, you're probably right. Um, for me personally, 10 years in the Army, all I've known are two-point slings. Right, That's what I was born with when I was 19 years old. I like it. One point is very comfortable. I like those two, but I just find I have, me personally, have greater flexibility, especially if you look at some of the um, the ones on the market, like the VTEC slings or even Condor that uh, will have a, a, a handle where you can kind of cinch it up and 
and loosen it out to get more or less slack out of the sling. You can move it behind you if you if you got to have it out of your way. You can sling it on your back if you got to climb up a ladder or whatever. I mean, I just think in terms of that, if you are just a guy that you know you go down to the range and you're spending on it or you're hunting with it and you, you enjoy that and you're not doing any of that other kind of dynamic stuff, then one point sling's probably fine. I just say pick one, go with it. If for some reason it's getting in your way, try the try try the other option. So shooter preference, guys. I know that uh, 2020 was a was a crazy year, and 2021 is already turning out to be a doozy. Uh, a lot of things up in the air, a lot of uncertainty, and I know in those times we want to know that there there's things in life that we can count on, things that are always certain. So I'd like to leave you with the words of Jason Bolin and the Stragglers. Cheap bourbon whiskey and pearl snap shirts are two things that stay the same. All right. So if you go with those two, you're always going to have a constant in your life. All right. That's all we got for now. This is Mark with Pearl Snap Tactical. I'll see you in the next one. Stay sharp. Stay sharp.